All right, what's up, guys? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. Today, we've got a special guest coming on the pod, former Colorado 5A Player of the Year, Sam Mastin. Really excited for this. Before we get into that, sure, you're probably hearing how great the mortgage rates are right now, but Mike and Virginia Chevalier, they are not just your typical mortgage company. They've got phenomenal rates, but what really makes them different is that Mike is a certified financial planner He looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. They're a small, family-owned company. They're DNVR members, proud CSU alums. You're always going to feel like a person, not a number. Whether you're looking at refinancing your current mortgage, buying a new home, they're going to make the process as simple and smooth as possible. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. When you do, you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, though, you're going to get it set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. If you'd rather talk to Mike directly, give him a call at 970-412-2472 or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. All right, that's a mouthful. We're moving on. We're talking college basketball. I got Sam Mastin on the podcast. Let me double check. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Yeah, it's Mastin. Mastin. Okay. Just want to make sure. Sam, thanks for doing this. Um, you know, we, we've kind of been talking behind the scenes a little bit for a while now, and I'm, I'm hoping to have Sam on the podcast a little more regularly. For those of you that, that don't know who he is, he played at Northern Colorado, actually is transferring out, and we're going to get into all of that. But uh, just first, you know, how's your summer going so far? It's been good, man. It's been a, uh, it was a stressful couple of months in the transfer portal. And then now I've just been finishing up school and then moving out of my house. And so I've been doing all these things, but it's starting to wind down a little bit. I'm starting to get ready for summer. So it's been good so far. What is that process like, the transfer, you know, entering the transfer portal? Is it, you know, I, I know it's like kind of like a database, but is it, do you, can you reach out to coaches? Do they only reach out to you? Just, you know, kind of, give the people an idea of what going through that is like. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, for me, it was definitely weird because when I was coming out of high school, I committed to Northern Colorado before my uh, senior year even started. So I haven't gotten recruited in almost four years. And so it was definitely weird to kind of, you know, go through that again. And basically like from my perspective, all that happened was met with the coach, made the decision to transfer, uh, told the compliance people. And then about an hour later, I got an email that my name was in the portal. And then from there on out, it was just kind of just a free-for-all. You know, a lot of coaches emailing, calling, texting, kind of whatever. Um, and I, I had the freedom to reach out to some if I wanted to. I didn't I didn't really do that because I was fortunate to have, you know, quite a few coaches reach out once I was in the portal. And so I kind of liked my options. But, yeah, it's – I mean, it's free. For, it's a free-for-all. And um, you kind of just throw your name in and then see what you get. You don't really know what's coming or who's going to talk to you. But – you kind of just take it as it comes. And it was, it was a good experience for sure. It was an interesting one. No, we'll kind of talk about the, the transfer aspect in a broader sense um, in a little bit here. You ultimately picked uh, Northern state, right? Northern state university. Yep. Why Northern state? Um, you know, I, I, I was going through the process. I wasn't 100% sure kind of what I wanted in a school and you know, as I sat down with my family and thought about it more and more, I think the biggest thing I was looking for was I wanted to somewhere where I could have the best experience possible because because of COVID, they gave they gave everybody an extra year. So I have two years left to play. And so I was like, I got enough time to have a really, really good experience for two years. And so um, I went out and visited Northern State. I just felt like, you know, in terms of the culture and the fan support and 
the coaching staff and I had a couple of connections to guys on the teams from previous years at UNC. It was just, I just thought it was the perfect fit for me, man. And I was very comfortable with the decision and I'm ex- I was really excited about it. And so, um, I mean, it was definitely like, I think a lot of kids sometimes go back and forth about like this D1 or bust mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had some division one opportunities, but I just felt like at the end of the day, like I was going to have the best possible experience for myself playing at uh, Northern state. So that's why I made the decision that I did. And I'm excited about it, man. I can't wait to get out there. Congratulations. And, and I think that's a really, you know, mature way to look at it. Do you think you would have had that same mindset, you know, coming out of rock Canyon when you were, you know, the five, a player of the year, you know, programs, all time leading scorer, kind of Mr. Big shot. Yeah, no, and to, to be honest with you, no, not at all. And I think coming out of high school, I was a little immature in the recruiting sense that like I kind of wanted a place where I could continue having the same success that I did in high school, you know? And I think what a lot of kids don't realize when you come out of high school is when you get to college, everybody was on the same level. <laughs> like everybody was a guy in high school. And so like, and this, when you get to college, everybody's trying to find a spot where they can be the guy in college. And it's like, there's only so many you know spots to do that. And I think as I just went along. I just found more and more the importance of being around, you know, a good culture, a winning culture and being around, you know, a good group of guys and then then just people that believe in you. Um, And I think all those aspects, I didn't really factor in coming out of high school. I was just looking for a place where I could go play right away and, you know, try and work my way up to be the man as quickly as I could. And, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's how a lot of kids look at it. And that's ultimately why you kind of see what you are right now with the transfer portal in general. I mean, you dropped 23 points in your first career game, so pretty good start in terms of getting the ball rolling. After that, yeah, after that first game, I was like, man, this is going to be a, this is going to be a good cup. And then it was, I never quite got to that level. I had some good games after that, but yeah, no, I remember that. That was funny. One of the things I kind of wanted to ask you about, and, and this kind of relates to what we're going to talk about with the transfer portal stuff and just the greater context of it and you know, I think everybody can recognize there's pros and cons to, you know, so much player movement, but ultimately, you know, kind of where I stand is I think players just deserve that same right as coaches to, you know, kind of explore what is best for them. You, you know, at Northern Colorado had to deal with a situation where the coach that brought you in, you know, left in the middle of your career. You know, what was that like when, you know, Jeff Lender ultimately, you know, bolted for Wyoming? Was it I mean, do you take it personally? Do you understand? Just kind of where were you? Where were you at? No, I, mean, I don't. I don't take it personally at all. I mean, uh, I think any any guy that's played college basketball knows that coaching coaching the business, you know, and those guys when you're coaching at a mid major level, like I think at the end of the day, your main goal is to try and work your way up, and then you know, if if they do like what happened with Coach Linder, it's also I think a compliment to the guys on the team because we had such so much success yeah. that he ultimately got that you know, raise and got to move up a level. And so I think it's, it's really good for him. And, you know, when he, when it happened, I was, I was, to be honest, like I wasn't surprised at all. I was honest. I was honest. I was surprised it took as long as it did for him to get up to that level. I thought it was, I was, I mean, when I was coming out of high school and I signed with UNC, there was rumors that he was going to get, you know, the CSU job and so this and that. And so like, I kind of knew going in that there was a good chance that he was going to eventually move up. And I'm really happy for him. And obviously, you know, they got a, they had a great year this year. And I, I have no doubts that they'll, they'll continue to that trend moving forward. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I, for years, was like, if CSU decides to to move on, like, this is a name that they need to target. And ultimately, you know, he ended up in Wyoming. That sucks for CSU. But they've got a good coach as well in Nico Medved. Um, what was it like playing for Jeff Linder? You know, you know he's, he's one of those guys where, like, 
you don't realize kind of what he's doing until after he's gone. You know, he's, he's a really, he's a hard coach. He's going to push you. He's going to challenge you mentally, physically. And I think, you know, there's times when you're playing for him where it can be a lot and you're kind of like sick of it. But when you look back on it, you're like, okay, the reason we had success is because of how he coached and led us because, you know, he didn't allow us to, you know, take shortcuts. He didn't allow us to take days off. And every single day he demanded perfection and held us to that standard. And I think, you know, that's kind of what you have to do if you want to be successful. And I think that showed in how we we played. And so looking back on it, man, I'm really, really thankful for that time I got with him because I know he bettered me in a lot of ways that I, and taught me a lot of things that I can carry moving forward, not even in basketball, but just kind of in life in general. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to get, you know, too personal here because I think I, all these transfer decisions are always, you know, unique, but I'm kind of curious, you know, what, what ultimately is, is the main reason you wanted to move on from Northern Colorado? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've said this to the coaching staff at UNC and I have a, a ton of love and respect for them. If my decision was nothing against them, I know they'll be, you know, extremely successful moving forward. I just think for me, when it came down to it, like I just wanted somewhere where I could have the best experience possible. And I thought that, you know, for whatever reason, I think there was a ton of external factors this year with COVID and everything going on. And I think, just it made me realize that like I needed to go somewhere else in order to have that best experience possible. And, you know, fortunately for me, we got an extra year. Um, I don't think if we would have gotten that extra year, I probably would just stayed and finished out and got my degree. But, you know, I had an extra year and I had two more years to play college basketball. When I sat down after the season, I was like, man, when I look back on this, like, am I going to be able to have the best and the happiest experience playing college hoops at UNC? And I just felt like I might as well explore my options and see what I could find. And so, Ultimately, I did that. I think I think it'll end up working out really well for both sides. Are you nervous to leave Colorado? I mean, you've been a local oh, guy, dude I'm, dude. I'm super, super nervous. I uh, like I was telling I was telling my mom this the other day. Like I've never like I've never been outside of Colorado, and where I'm going in South Dakota, it's a small Midwest town. It's something that like I've never really experienced before, you know. And so, but I also think those nerves and stepping outside of your comfort zone. That's kind of what's going to allow me to really enjoy that and just be thankful for it when it's all said and done. Um, so yeah, I'm super nervous, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be one of those things where I'm excited to see what it's all about. I'm excited for you. I'm, I'm a small town guy. I've got family that lives in small towns throughout the Midwest and it's obviously different. I mean, especially when you're coming from, you know, Highlands Ranch in a, you know, very urban developed area, but there's a, there's like a quaintness to it and just people are, they're nice and you know, everybody. And I don't know, I think it'll be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, it was, I mean, it was obvious when I was visiting out there, like you could just tell, like you're walking around with the basketball coaches and like everybody in the town knows who they are, you know, and everybody goes and eats at the same, the same diner on Saturdays and just stuff like that. And so I think kind of that, that family aspect of the town and the community is something that I'm really excited to experience and get to see what it's all about. I'm curious, did, um, you know, coming out of high school, did you get an offer from CSU? No, I, uh, I never got offered by CSU. Um, I was actually, I talked with, uh, coach Brokeman and she's not obviously now at CSU. He's a really, really good dude, but they were at Drake at the time. Um, yeah. so I was talking to them and, uh, kind of when my recruitment with them started to pick up was when I ultimately signed with UNC. So I never, I never officially got offered by them. Um, but no, I, uh, I never really talked to the guys at CSU coming out of high school. I, it, that was you're not alone, man. Really it was a, it was a massive problem with the previous staff. I'll, I'll yeah, say it was, yeah, it was an interesting. I mean, they had their their thing going. I just didn't really. I had never been to Fort Collins. I never knew that. I was like, yeah, all right. 
that's just insane to me. Like, and again, I, there's only so much you can say. And, and again, like from the outside, I can say it and not look like a jerk, but the fact that they didn't offer the five, a Colorado player of the year shows you all of the dysfunction that was going on. But I mean, like there were just so many cases, Colby, uh, Colby Ross went on and went, had a phenomenal career out of state. Justinian Jessup didn't get offered and went, he's in the freaking NBA now. So it's just yeah. like, what were you guys doing? Back on track. Sorry, that's a that's a sore subject for me because for a long time I was just like, that's there's so many good players coming out of Colorado and none of them are getting offered. Yeah, there was there was a lot of talent when I was coming out of school. There were some really good players. Like Josh Adams never got a CSU yeah. offer either. Just insane to me. But um, let's let's talk about just the the transfer portal and obviously things are changing now. There's a lot more player movement, more people in the portal than ever. Um, undergrad players are going to have the opportunity to, to transfer once without penalty. That's obviously a big, big change. Are you surprised that things are changing this way and that, you know, players are starting to get a little bit more, I wouldn't say control because NCAA still has a stranglehold on everything, but just at least a little bit more freedom in the process. Um, no, I'm not, I'm not necessarily surprised. I think kind of what, you know, people, are too quick. Everybody just assumes that like kids are just leaving and there's no loyalty in this. And I think that's definitely true in a fair amount of cases, but at the same time, it's like, you know, when coaches make business decisions to leave, I think players also make business decisions. And I think one, I think COVID added an extra year. I think that it sparked an interest in a lot of kids heads to leave. Um, I do I too. A lot of different opportunities and a lot of things that kids were intrigued about. But I think the biggest thing when it comes down to it is like when you, when you play college basketball, like there's a, everybody's kind of in it for different reasons. You know, some kids go to college with dreams and aspirations to try and make the NBA. Some kids go to college with, they want to be, you know, they want to find a situation where they can be the best player on the team and just be the guy and get all the shots and do this and that. And then there's other kids, you know, that just want to like enjoy it, have fun, this, that, or there's other kids that want to play like at the highest level. And so I think like everybody's in it for different reasons. And I think, you know, when, the NCAA kind of allowed this rule where you can transfer without having to sit out. I think a lot of kids, like it made them kind of rethink their reasonings and kind of what they want to get out of it. And I think that's ultimately why you see what you're seeing with all the kids leaving and stuff like that. It's because every kid, whatever their reason may be, whatever they're trying to get out of their college basketball experience, I think that's what allows them to kind of transfer and explore their options and see, you know, if they can better that experience or better prepare themselves for their end goal. I think that makes a lot of sense. As somebody that's, you know, been a part of this process, you know, played on a team for multiple years, seeing how long it takes to create chemistry and establish a rhythm together, that continuity that you kind of need to succeed as a team. Do you think that with so much movement, that's going to be an issue for a lot of teams or does that kind of get overblown in your opinion? No, I think it's definitely going to be a big thing. I think, you know, culture and, you know, chemistry, I think that's a very underrated aspect of college hoops. I think like when you get a lot of experienced dudes that have been around each other and love to be love to be with one another and they have that good culture, I think that definitely, you know, plays part in the benefit. But at the same time, it's like with so many kids coming in and out, you got to spend, you know, the first couple months just to kind of show them the ropes and show them like how things are done within that program. And so it's just a different, it's definitely going to play a huge part in that, I think. And that's why I think some teams that you know, didn't have necessarily as many kids transferring. I think we'll have an advantage early on starting next year. That'll be interesting. CSU so far only has, uh, they have one player out, one player in, and and things can change quickly. So we'll, we'll see yeah. how that all plays out, but could be a strength for them. 
Alright, we will get back to the pod in just a second, but first a quick word from our partners, starting with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Guys, the hits literally keep on coming. From one boxing event to the next, the grow and excitement and anticipation. This weekend is no different with two of the sport's most respected fighters stepping into the ring on Saturday night. There's no better place to get in on all of that action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users a shot at turning $1 into $55. To celebrate this weekend's huge event, DraftKings is giving you 55 to 1 odds on either main fighter. That's what it means. All you gotta do, bet $1 on either fighter. If they win, you cash $55. It's that simple. Plus, we've got basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner. DraftKings Sportsbook has even more ways for you to make it rain. My Nikola Jokic for MVP bet is hopefully going to cash here in a couple of weeks. Hell yes, great time to get on there. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, meaning you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right, 55 to 1 odds for all new users when you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook. Just make sure you use that code DNVR at sign up. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also want to shout out Solace Meds, our newest partner. We've partnered with a premier dispensary for you guys to get some smoking hot deals with. Solace Meds has six locations, four in Colorado, two in Oklahoma. They have one location in Fort Collins, which is perfect for all you CSU fans. Got another in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one just blocks away on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. So whether you're in NoCo, the metro area, you know, North Jeffco, or Oklahoma randomly, you know, there are great options for you. Solace has some banging deals this month. Here's a, you know, a few to look forward to. Cinco de Mayo, buy three, get one free on the entire store, plus an additional 20% off when using DNVR20 at checkout. For Mother's Day, you can buy three, get one free of the entire store. For Memorial Day, it's the same deal. They got 20% off of all Glacier Concentrates, 20% off of Mile High Extractions, that's 1,000 milligram cartridges, 20% off CBD gummies, two for 25 off Koala and Solace 100 milligram bars. 15% off 3 grams of connoisseur concentrates. If you don't, you know, use these products, that probably sounds like a lot of jibber-jabber. But the point is, they have got a ton of variety, whether you're using herb itself, concentrates, edibles, all of those fun stuff, CBD, they have got it all. Remember, all of these amazing deals you can take advantage of and get the additional 20% off your entire purchase when you use the code DNVR20. Check out... Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. You can head to their website, view their menu, order online, and pick up at your convenience. Just head to solasemeds.com, purchase from there, make sure you use that code DNVR20 to save 20% off your order. Guys, that's, that can be pretty big, you know, when we're talking about triple-digit purchases. 20% off your order is hella clutch. Shout out to Solace Meds. How long on average would you say it takes to to kind of create some of that chemistry to get to a place where you can be competitive, you know, at the high level? Obviously, D1, D2, all of it changes, but it's still high level basketball, you know, no matter where you're at. 
is that you know like a couple of weeks, a couple of months, yeah. a whole year? I mean, from my from my experiences playing Division One, I, I always felt like it was you know the summer. I always felt like I mean you kind of need a summer just to get like get acclimated, get ready to go. And you know most team summers are six to eight weeks, something like that. But I feel like the summer was so huge and kind of just figuring all that out because you you kind of take the first couple of weeks just to show all the new guys kind of what's going on, like how everything's kind of working. And then, you know, you have three or four weeks to just let them kind of experience like the kind of level that the kind of level intensity, all that stuff that goes into making the program successful. And so I think, you know, that's why it was, I think it was tough for a lot of people this year because a lot of teams didn't really have a chance to work out in the mm-hmm. summers, you know, and stuff like that. And so I would definitely say like that six to eight week period in the summer or, you know, division two, you can't practice in the summer. So like the first like month and a half of practice probably. You excited about that? Not having to practice in the summer? Yeah, it's gonna be man. I like I I haven't had a real summer since I was probably thirteen years old. Because like you come up in high school, you're playing AAU all summer, AAU high school stuff, and it's just like every weekend you're traveling doing something, you know. And then it's like you get to college, then the first you know eight eight weeks of your summer are spent at wherever you're going, just practicing. So I was like, I was like, man, like give me give me a month, like, you know, take a vacation, do something. Um, but just, no, I'm very excited just to spend time with my family, hang out with some of my buddies from high school and stuff like that. And just being back in, you know, my hometown, it'll be, it'll be really fun. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. You know, you mentioned AAU and the AAU scene's obviously grown substantially in Colorado over the you know last decade or so. How important was, you know, AAU basketball to your development to getting, you know, a D1 scholarship and do you, do you value, like, what's different about AAU versus high school? You know, what are, what's good about it? What's bad about it? Yeah, I think, I think AAU is huge for recruiting. And for me, you know, in my development as a player, I thought playing AAU was everything for me because, you know, when you're in Colorado, like, I think there's the skill level and the talent are there. But I think when you step out of Colorado and you go play these other teams from all across the country, like, you get, ex- you get uh, some exposure against real athleticism and real size and like things you're going to see at the collegiate level. And so I think there's a lot of states around the country that obviously get more respect in terms of recruiting and stuff like that versus Colorado. And so to go out there and get to like play against those guys, and it was, there was a ton of exposure with coaches and all that and kind of prove what you can do. I think that was, was huge for my recruiting and ultimately was where I ended up, why I ended up where I did. Um, So I wouldn't change that. I think in terms of AAU versus high school, I think the biggest you know, difference. I think AAU is just more of like just working on your game, individual like development. I think, you know, when you go to high school, I think that's more of like learning to be a part of a team and, mm-hmm. you know, experiencing playing for a community and playing with your buddies. And that's more of like an enjoyable experience. I mean, AAU is fun, but I think high school is definitely just a more enjoyable experience, just in the sense of the atmosphere that you're playing in and like who you get to play against and who you're playing with and stuff like that. So just kind of off of that and the topic of exposure, you know, obviously so much of social media has become a big part with recruits and posting your top lists and your highlights and all that. Do you think to an extent it's kind of detrimental just because it becomes so much about the individual and and not the team? Yeah, I think so. And I think, I mean, I'm sure a lot of coaches would say when you watch it, when you watch AAU, it's a lot of like, bad basketball a lot of like totally created but i also i think it's detrimental but i also think it's a chance for you to stand out because it's like there's a lot of kids that are so worried about themselves and trying to get recruited and this and that it's like i think if you prove to people and coaches that like you're a guy who 
you know, about the team. It can play the right way and all this and that. I think that's huge. Um, but yeah, at AAU, I've seen some very uh, detrimental situations watching AAU, playing AAU. There's some, yeah, you get a lot of very interesting things going on. What are you going to miss most about Colorado? Ooh, man, that's a good question. Well, being in South Dakota, I'm, I'm going to miss the sun being out all the time because it's going to get extremely frigid out in uh, South Dakota. <laughs> That'll be cool. Um, I think, honestly, the biggest thing, man, is just like the people here. You know, there's so many I've, – I've met so many great people and gotten to grow up and uh, experience so many great things being in this state. And there's just so many – there's so much to do here. I think I'm definitely going to miss that aspect of it. Um, so, yeah, that's probably what I'm going to miss the most. I'm not throwing shade because I, I have a lot of friends that went to Northern Colorado and I almost went there myself. How hard was it to get used to the smell though? The Greeley smell is a real thing. <laughs> no, it was, um, it took me about five months. It would be like, I swear every, it only is like Tuesday and Thursday nights from like an hour, hour and a half. You come outside and just catch a whiff of it. Um, but no, I mean, it was it was bad at times, but it was definitely never anything that was like too severe. That was always when I was like going there in high school, I legit would have people be like, are you going to be able to deal with the smell? And I'm like, yeah, like we'll be, we'll be okay. I'll be indoors. But sometimes like be a huge deal, but uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I got used to it pretty fast. What's the like go-to hangout spot in Greeley? Like what's the best bar or restaurant? Or like if you had a Saturday night, like where would you go? <sighs> oh, that's a tough question. I mean, I think for me, it was probably just downtown. There was always a lot of good places to go down there, a lot of good food, a lot of good places to hang out. Um, I think there's a lot of like hidden kind of hole in the wall spots too, just scattered across town, like places you wouldn't really recognize, but you know, the owner would be a guy from UNC, be a big fan or what, like just somewhere like that. I think there was a lot of good places like that, which I'm sure is the case in most college towns too. That makes sense. Um, just briefly, I guess, before I let you go here, um, you're a big basketball guy. We're obviously got a lot going on in Colorado with the Nuggets and, and Nikola Jokic. Can the Nuggets make an actual run without Jamal Murray? Or, or am I just, am I, am I selling myself up a hill that's just going to disappoint me? <laughs> no, I, uh, I think they can. I'm going to go hot take off the press. I think the Nuggets are still championship contenders. I just think... I just think the Nuggets have like a certain, like they, part of their identity, I think is just like, they're just like scrappy like that. I don't know. And I mean, obviously they've been fine since Jamal Murray left, but it's still like the playoffs is just such a different, you know, style of basketball. I think, you know, with MPJ, he's been playing a lot better, not a lot better, but he's definitely stepped up um, since Jamal Murray went down. But I think it's going to take somebody else is going to have to play a huge role in uh them making a run. I hope it's my guy, Faku, but we'll see. I'm not sure what it is. He's so fun, man. Like, he gives me hope. He he does. He's just, he, he's so electric. I, I love him. Um, so I'm hoping he pulls something out and we can make something happen. But yeah, I still think they can. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot tougher, but I still think we got a good chance. We can't play the Lakers first round. That's all. That's like the biggest thing. Just don't see them first round. I don't want to, because I don't think they're going to get a whistle, but I will say the Lakers don't scare me that much right now. Like, 80s soft, LeBron's hurt. I don't know. I think they got a shot. Yeah, they, yeah, I, yeah, the Nuggets, if they're going to beat the Lakers this year's the year, I just think if you're going to see the playoff Lakers, I get, they're just going to be, they're going to be, you know, kind of themselves. And so I think 
avoiding them for as many rounds as possible is going to be key. I would love to play the Clippers again. I think that'd be funny just because of what happened last year. I think they <laughs> can do it again this year. That'd be good. I'm just excited to have basketball. Um, it was miserable last spring. What was, oh, you know, man, what was that like is. when everything just getting canceled, in, you know, oh, basically yeah. like in a matter of two weeks. And the fact that they're in arenas again, and it's just like, it's just so nice, such a relief. Have you ever been through, I mean, none of us have ever been through a pandemic, but I just mean like, have you ever been in a situation before where it's like, you expect to play and then all of a sudden you're not going to play. Like that's this whole COVID situation that I feel like had to be so weird just from a, from a mindset. Like you're, you're ready to go. You're ready to go. Oh, we're on pause. Like we're ready to go. Now the other team's on. No, pause. yeah, no. And it was, I mean, I'd be lying if I said it didn't, it didn't mess with me this year. And then even getting back to last year, I'll never forget that conference tournament game where it got canceled. Like, I mean, the night, the night before we're supposed to play is when Rudy Gobert touched the mic and all that happened. Um, <laughs> And then, like, I just remember, like, sitting in my hotel room the night before and, like, the ACC's canceling, like, Big East, all this and that. And then, like, we're supposed to play at 2 o'clock the next day. We have an 8 a.m. shoot-around. And we're like, dude, what are we doing? Like, we're not going to play. And then, like, we get through shoot-around and we're like, oh, all right, like, it's go time. We're about to play. And then, you know, like, 30 minutes later, we're sitting in the hotel and eating breakfast. And the AD walks in like, yeah, like, we're not playing. And then everybody, you know, you're home the next day. And I just think it was – it's so hard to, like, get in a rhythm, too, because, like you go 10 days off and then all of a sudden you're going to like just ramp it back up and try and get back in that flow. And then you're still not even 100% sure, even if that game is going to happen, you know, when you do get out of quarantine and stuff. So it's just all these crazy factors. And it's this year is definitely going to be something that I will, I don't think anybody will ever forget, but especially from a basketball perspective, I'll be like, man, I will never forget that. What's it like playing in an empty gym? I mean, how, how different is that? Oh, it's the worst. I I hated it. No, but uh, I'm one of those guys, like, I thrive on, like, crowd energy. And, like, you know, like it, I mean, you can say you love the game of basketball as much as you want, but I feel like part of what makes it fun is, like, ultimately going out and competing, like, in front of people, you know, in front of fans. And it's just, like, when you're playing a legit scrimmage every night, it's, like, it's just, it was super hard. And I think, um, I think it took a toll on a lot of people this year. I know it definitely took a toll on me, and it's just, like, you know, there's so many times where we're traveling and we're just like forcing a trip to go play a game in front of nobody. And I'm like, man, this is just, this is not the move, but it is what it is. And hopefully now we'll, we'll get back to having full crowds and full capacity and get, get things rolling again. When, you know, when they had crowds, obviously, so going back to your, your first two years, what was, you know, what was your favorite place to play from a, from a road perspective? Like who in the big sky was the most fun to go up against? Oof. I go, I go back and forth and I have a couple, I mean, if you want to talk about my favorite arenas in terms of like, just how nice they were, were Portland States and Weavers because Weavers is like way too big. It's huge. And then Portland State got a brand new gym. So theirs was really nice to play in. But my all time favorite was Montana. And I say that just because like Montana had like crazy crowds. There'd be, you know, four or 5,000 people in there. And it like, when you were playing there, it felt like, obviously maybe not to this magnitude, but it felt like you were playing in like the Big Ten or like something yeah. like that. Like just hostile road environment. And like you couldn't even hear our coach like calling out a play and stuff like that. Like that was really cool for me. Um, so I would, I would say Montana probably. You said you feed off the crowd energy. Are you one of those guys that like in a – and I love this, by the way, when players do it like a like a petty, spiteful way. Like, did you get enjoyment out of like a crowd being super hostile and then just hitting that three? Is that like what just really got you going? Yeah, I was never 
I mean, I was never a dude like like a Marshall Henderson type guy that was just going to yeah. instigate with the crowd every night. But like, I still, I still had a really good time. Um, but yeah, no stuff like that was definitely, it was fun. It was definitely really, I fed off it a lot. Um, even dating back to like high school, like, you know, there was kids, you know, talking, talking crap, like two feet away from you in the, in the stands. And so like, I just, <laughs> I love that whole aspect of it. I think it's as a player, that's what kind of makes the game fun and stuff like that. Who's Rock Canyon's big rival. So we had, when we were in high school, we had three. We had Thunder Ridge, Mountain Vista, and Highlands Ranch. And I, I think we played each of those teams once all four, all four years. So that's what, 12 games. I think all 12 were sold out. Like every single one was just wall-to-wall people just packed. And like, it's hard to say we had an explicit rival because Highlands Ranch is such like a dense. So like, congested, yeah. Every, you know, all three of those schools are within 10 minutes of our of our school. And so it's like, you kind of want the rivalry was winning all three of those games, basically. Like you wanted to like be the best, you know, and just, we, we used to call it the bubble sweep, but we had a couple of those. We didn't get it done. I don't think my senior year or my freshman year, but my junior year we did. I love that stuff, man. I love it. The, uh, I'm going to let you go, but the last thing I want to ask you, you know, growing up, who is your basketball inspiration? Like Carmelo Anthony is who made me love the NBA. Like who was the guy that you were like, man, the sport kicks ass. Yeah. So, all right. This is, I don't necessarily have like a favorite player, but I have a favorite like team. This is going to be okay. a crazy like twist and take here. But so my family, my dad's side of the family is all from Michigan. So I grew I was probably like eight or nine. So the 2004 Pistons, the year they won it, they beat the Lakers. And it was like Ben Wallace, Tayshawn, Rip Hamilton, Chauncey. Uh, I'm trying to think Oh, Rasheed Wallace. And Rasheed, yeah. So like, I remember I got that cha- we bought the championship DVD when I was like six and like from like ages six to 10, I would probably watch it like once a week and I loved it. I loved everything about it. And so I think that was kind of like the turning point for me. I was like, basketball is like what I want to do. Like, you know, it was just kind of like uh, Chauncey was obviously from Colorado. So that was cool. And then he got traded to the nuggets. Um, so he was probably the biggest out of those five, but that was kind of my team where I was like, all right, like basketball is like, it's it, man. Like I want to play it. That's funny that you brought up that the 2004 Pistons because they're probably they're in my top three favorite teams of all time. Like oh, I, I used to, I have, watched every game of that series. Oh, yeah. just I used to have a life size fat head of Ben Wallace in my room, like right above <laughs> where I would sleep. Like it was like Ben Wallace, and it was sick. I wanted like I tried to grow my hair out as a kid because I wanted to get like an afro, and yeah, mom was like she let me do it for like a month, and then she finally broke the news that like my hair just doesn't grow like that. Like it's not gonna happen. And I was like, damn, but. uh no, that was that was my squad for sure. Those were just like what's so fun about that team is they just played such a different brand of basketball. Like they were physical and they were just in your face. No, like yeah, and like threes. the way they just the way they played, I loved it. And I I don't know. I mean, I just thought it, I loved the part where like they played the Lakers and the Lakers had won three three or four in a row with Shaq and Kobe and those guys, and they went out and just just killed them. And then I was like, all right, Pistons are it. And then they. Then they drafted Darko the next year instead of Carmelo and all those guys. And it just all went downhill after that. <laughs> uh, well, Sam, man, thank you for coming on and giving, giving me your perspective. It was you know, obviously unique to just hear from somebody who's been through the transfer process and, and can actually, you know, speak firsthand. Like I said, we're going to try and get you on more often, but I'm excited that you get to have a real summer, man, and enjoy it because you've earned it. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm hyped, man. I go home, I go home on Sunday. I'm excited just to 
kick my feet up, enjoy the sun for like a couple of days. And then we start getting back to work, preparing for next year, but it'll be good. But yeah, man, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Tell the, uh, tell the people where they can follow you on Twitter. What's your handle and what's the name of your new podcast? Oh yeah. All right. So my Instagram and my Twitter handles are at big Sam 32. I made it when I was in like fifth grade and I'm refusing to change it until I'm like, that's the brand five. now. It's all good. They're going to stay big Sam 32 for a while. So yeah, give those a follow. And then I also started up a podcast with my boy Tyson. Um, he plays at Alaska Anchorage. It's called off the hardwood. Uh, so you just go on Twitter and type at off the hardwood underscore. Um, you should be on there. Subscribe to us on Apple podcasts. We're getting it going. We're trying to, we're trying to make it to the moon, but we'll see how it goes for the boys. But, uh, yeah, give that a follow. And, uh, yeah, let us know what you think. You heard the man. Go like, subscribe, follow, check out the podcast, hype him up. We support Colorado people here. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, man. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be.